What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Life's a Garden. Today's guest is a four-time indoor football champion. His most recent championship victory coming just last year with the Salina Liberty, and previously, three championships with the Billings Outlaws. He's coached for multiple teams in several different leagues, including the CIF and the IFL, to which he is a member of the Hall of Fame. Uh, we talk about his entire career stemming from his playing days into his coaching career and everywhere in between. We talk about some of his favorite moments in coaching and playing, as well as the championship victories and all of that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Coach Haran O'Neill. First off, let me just start off by saying congratulations on the recent championship victory. Thank you. I definitely appreciate year. it. Yeah, that was tough. It was really tough um, with all the things we went through um, with the suspensions and all of that crazy stuff and um, a very tough schedule. And then the playoffs were really tough. I mean, to play you guys, Billings, in the playoffs. And um, that was a definitely physical football game. Um, my MVP from the previous year um, rebroke his arm in that game. So we didn't have him for the championship. So it was a lot of different things going on this year that, well, 2022 that made it once we did win it, it made it worth it. Cause it was like, man, we went through so much to get to this point and to do it for three consecutive years of being at the championship game, but just, we got to bring it home to finally get it home and win a championship for the first time since I won my third one here in 2010. So it was exciting um, to have my family there. My wife was there. My kid was there. Um, little Mia um, to see that and celebrate with them. And even the newspaper caught a, a glimpse of us doing like a group hug soon as I won it. So it was very special just to see my daughter's face because she wasn't even thought about in 2010. Right. Um, so to see the, her face, just to look at all the confetti and look at all of this and the trophy and the, all of this stuff that went on afterwards, she was a, a memory I know she'll never forget. Right. So that was her first experience with that championship. Yes. Stuff too. Um, so because yeah, it's been well, hell, that's twelve years, right? Exactly. In between, but but you you had all you were all over you. So you you start off with the outlaws, is that right? In the no, indoor. Well, I started off with the um, Wyoming Calvary Cas okay. and Casper. Um, that was my first year in 05. Um, I was a defensive coordinator and a recruiting coordinator there. Um, from there, then I went to Billings. And was here five wonderful years. Never knew that those five years would basically from those five years is what springboarded my coaching career because I found out I actually liked it. Yeah. Um, that was my first time ever as a head coach as well. Um, I met my wife up here. So, I mean, it's, it was it was great. And then the tornado. And that's when things um, took a twist. No pun intended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, and then you went to Colorado, right? Is that yes, right? Yes, I went to um, Colorado for, what was that, five years. Um, then I went to Dodge City for a year just as a D coordinator, just to stay active. 
um, and then to Salina for the previous now five years. So um, in Salina, you know, I've been into three consecutive national championship games. Oh, wow. And then one um, Northern Conference ch- um, championship to go to the – so basically it was like semifinals there. So definitely turned what Salina was into what they are now um, with a lot of help from um, our general manager, Francis Flax. He's done a great job of, you know, handling the business side. I don't have to worry about the business side. I sell a couple sponsorships here and there um, and, you know, deal with the different people there. But he handles that business side with a great ownership group um, that let me be me, which is just coach. Um, I don't have to be bothered with, you know, other things. They handle that and they give me the aids that I need um, to continue to be successful on the field. Um, but to, they were three wins, 21 losses in their two years before I got there, the infant stages. So, okay. so you turned it around. You, well, we did. You, okay, I like yeah, to say yeah. we, because right. I mean, without the great ownership group, I, I've been places where, you know, we did really well on the field, but the front office didn't do what they needed to do to, to make the game stick, so to say. Um, and it didn't work out. Um, but I'm definitely happy with um, everything that they've done for me. Um, as well as for my family. I mean, they fly my, my wife up there three, four, five times a year to the game and stuff. So things oh, like awesome. that is pretty cool because I'm all about family. And um, being away from my wife for, you know, five months out the year and my daughter for five months out the year. And I only see my daughter once in that five, well, once or twice in that five-month span. Because she's got school and stuff, I'm assuming, yeah. right? And you're, so, and you're based out of Billings still, right? Like, is there- Yeah, I live here right, in right. Billings. Um, I, we moved back um, – 2016 okay um, we moved back here um kind of just been low-key not really saying much but I'm, i was still working for other spots but this was the home base because um once we had me i didn't want to do what we did once we left colorado um i want her to have a a home base that she can grow her roots get her friends um you yeah know, that's hard yeah i don't want to you know nothing against military kids that move around and do i I couldn't perform like that. So well, you hear different stories sometimes with that. Sometimes it it's an experience that mm-hmm. helps develop them in a different way. But then you get other problems where, like you know, you don't develop a, a personality. You're always having to change and mm-hmm. reinvent yourself and stuff like that. Make new friends. It can be it can be hard, but it can it goes both ways sometimes. And but you don't want to take that chance. No, I I don't. And when I have um, now, I have more control over my career. Um, cause I'm basically my own agent now. I don't nice. have an agent where they say, Hey, you go here. To, yeah, that's great. You could tell me I could go here, 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 and here, but I'm the one that actually have to move there and do this and, you know, find my wife a job while she moves out here. Yeah. Now she's set up, she does, um, um, lashes and things. That's, that's what she does here at, um, I can't think of the name of it. It's on 24 beaches and waves or something. That's what it's called. Okay. Um, she's perfected that. That's what she's. Um, good at she has an esthetician license as well that she does that stuff there so she's finally found her niche that she loves so it's no sense moving her from that when she's starting to build her clientele the way she likes it my kid is in school here and i love billings i mean i love the state of montana i love you know camping um i love the the fishing even though i've only been fishing probably twice here and we haven't went camping in a while but oh you're not gonna uh, hurt my feelings i'm yeah. not an outdoorsman at all oh, see i wasn't <laughs> even being from here like everybody calls me crazy just because you know i live here i've lived here my whole life and it's like 
it's just never been my thing. Like we we <laughs> built buildings so that we could escape the outdoors. <laughs> but uh, that's just my my own personal. But it is nice to have it as an option. Yes, for sure. Yeah, because I mean, coming, I'm from Chicago, so okay, that type life right there is totally the different. reason why you know I can really enjoy. Because if I were, I mean, if I was a young man in my 20s or so, this would not be the spot I would want to be at. Um, but Doing all the things I did, you know, you know, I played in the NFL. I did went you? to college. I did all of these different things. I seen a lot, but now I'm a older man. You know, that was in my twenties. I'm I'm gonna be 48 in a couple couple weeks here, so I'm more settled down. And I I like that peace that you have when you're out there. Um, I still can't do the tent by myself. My wife still has to help hey. me. She's a country girl. She helps me, and you know. Um, doing those type things, I enjoy a lot, but we haven't done it here recently, kind of been moving around a lot and stuff, getting things accomplished, but that's one of the reasons I, I, I chose to live here. Right on. And you, so you said you've been, uh, coaching Salina for five years now. This would be my fifth year. Okay. And yep. you just signed a, re- a new contract. Is that right? Um, two years ago. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I must so have... it was a, just an extension is gotcha. what it was. Gotcha. Yeah. So it, it goes, I think through 24 or something like that 25 or something like that so right on um i mean that's good to ha- that's nice to have that uh stability right right <laughs> and so long as you keep winning championships you're not going anywhere right you well know? no i mean that's the plan is to continue to stay there do what i do and um continue to win and you know long as everything stays the same i'm happy with, with where i'm at and um they treat me right so i mean that is definitely the plan well uh, and have they always been been in the cif yes okay so since you've been there they've been in the cif yes see i get somewhat confused when it comes to the because there's a few different leagues right oh it's probably about 16 to 18 different leagues yeah and they're usually kind of regional based and then you got the ifl right that's like the big one well that as well as the um fan control football they pump oh. more people out than anybody to the NFL and CFL. Really? And that's based in Georgia. All the teams are there in Georgia. They got people, um, I think Quavo from the Migos own a team. They got oh, some wow. celebrities that actually own the teams. and But they're based at, in just Atlanta, Georgia, where they don't have to – they cut the travel out. You're right there. All the practices are right there. So it's pretty cool. We had a quarterback go there um, last year, Mitch Kidd. Um, from there, he played with us. In the championship in 2021, then 2022 he was at the fan control football, and now he got drafted to go to the XFL. Dang! So definitely good to you know these leagues are um, outlets that you know guys that kind of fall through the cracks and um, because I kind of felt that's what I was. You know, I I felt you know Milk. If you go back back in the day 98 97 when I came out, Milk Kuyper said I was going to be a fifth or sixth round pick. And I wasn't, but I was an undrafted free agent. I still made it, but it was not the same as getting drafted and things of that nature. So um, when it came time to coach, I wanted to be um, one of those type people that, you know, I I fell through the cracks. So I understand what these kids are going through and, and trying to get to their goals and aspirations. And I try to my best to help them. And through my programs, um, 64 players have moved up Dang. to the NFL, CFL, XFL, Arena One. So definitely happy that I was a bridge to get these kids their opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and um, I totally lost my train of thought with that. Um, 
are you big in the cr- recruitment aspect of, of? Oh, I do all the recruitment. Okay, okay, that's a big part of your player. job. Then. They come in. Um, I have um, Coach Martinez, Jorge Martinez. He's been my a long assistant. He's been with me for probably almost nine years. He helps with recruiting as well. Um, we have Scout Johnson. That's his name that he goes by. That. Um, helps us with recruiting as well that we brought him on board this year to help us out. And he's brought in some very good acquisitions. So um, definitely happy with the little crew that we have now, but usually um, the 2022 season, 2021 season, 95% of it was me just finding players from all these different walks of life and, and getting them signed to come play for us. So what, what do you do to take those steps? Is, is it college and, or, Guys who just missed out on the league, like how, what's your process when you do something like that? Well, it's it's a lot of different things that go into it, but those are the ones we want are guys that were either um, released from the NFL, CFL, and now it's going to be the XFL. But the USFL, um, those are the four major leagues that's in football. So you always look there first for your all players because usually um, those are the better players. So mm-hmm. to say, you try to get those guys to come and play for you. Um, we had, what was it? One, two, I think we had three guys on our team from last year's, um, national championship team that actually made it to the NFL that came back and stuff. So, um, you start there, but you also look at college and I never just, you know, look D one, even though I, I played D one, but I look FCS, I look NAIA, I'll look D two. Um, I found some pretty dang good football players that were not D one athletes. Um, the one that come to mind is the, the greatest one I've ever coached um, is uh, Michael Eby. Michael Eby was a fan favorite here. I love, I, I still, yeah, yeah, I can attest to that. Yeah, he was a baller and nobody really thought much of him once we signed him because he played outside linebacker at um, Western Oregon. And just getting to, to, to see him and how he studied and how he prepared himself, um, that was a pleasure. And it showed me that, it's not all about D1. It's it's about what you have in between your two shoulders is your head and your heart. And he played with that. And just to get to know him off the field, because I learned stuff about Boise, Idaho, oh, yeah. things yeah. of that nature. And I used to call him the mountain man because he used to have that big old beard. Big and long stuff. hair. Yeah, the big skier type type guy and everything. But he showed me a lot of things, hunting and things of that nature and stuff. So um, just as he was learning from me, I was learning from him. So um him as well as um i would say Shaq, that played for me these past two years in salina this is a kid that played naia ball two-time defensive player of the year his last two years in college and he had over 47 sacks Jeez. i mean this guy is phenomenal and the, the only reason he's he's probably not in the nfl right now is because he's only 510 about 240 but my gosh, this kid can play. He's all over the place on special teams and at defensive end. So right. I learned very quickly that NAIA got something to say. They got some good football players. They just need the opportunity. Yeah. Well, and then on the on the as far as like the leagues, you got all these different leagues. I, I followed a lot when I was obviously we had the the outlaws here, mm-hmm. the IFL. Well, I guess it was the NIFL before, which I, yeah, I it was the NIFL. Then we went to the UIF. That's and right. then to the IFL. Okay, that's so right. Three different leagues in my five years of being here. Yeah. So, so. Well, and then the UI, it, you said UIF? Or, yes. Yeah, they got absorbed 
by the IFL. IFL. That's yeah, right. And we, that's when they were their biggest. Yeah, we merged with them as well as it was the it's called the like the Lone Star intense, division. Lone Star thing. They merged together and we had twenty sixteen. Yeah, it was like the most I because every time I see these leagues, there's usually only like anywhere between ten, twelve, something like that. Right. And then you see a lot of them move around so mm-hmm. often. So what does that attribute to as far as like them, you know, because like the beef are in the CIF now, right? Right. And they were in the IFL, then they were in another league. Like, what happens there in the... Is it ownership? Is it just, like, overall performance of the teams? I think the performance of the team is the the least of what the problem is, so to say. Um, Because you look at the Iowa Barnstormers. They used to be in the um, the the AFL. Yeah. Um, The Arizona Rattlers, AFL. And they were dang good there, both of those teams. Um, Kurt Warner played for the Barnstormers, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. He did, and that's the thing. So it, it, I don't think it has anything to do with the what they're doing on the field. I think it has a lot to do with what's going on behind the scenes. That's why I say you can be as great as you want on the field if you don't have that support team that's actually out there in the community, getting the community excited about your whereabouts and what you're doing there, as well as you're getting good sponsorships and um, the business side taking care of things. I think that's more important than anything. It's it's like they say, it's always the finances definitely over the football when it comes to the indoor football. In yeah. my well, opinion. and then you, I'm sure there's contracts and stuff involved too with the leagues oh, from yeah. the teams. So I'm sure there's a lot more. Yeah, than- leases with the different arenas you play in and, you know, a lot of different things. Workers comp. I mean, yeah. that was a big deal. You Insurance. Know, yeah, that stuff. I mean, you have a bad year. You can. Go from spending twenty thousand dollars a year to one hundred and sixty thousand, and if you don't have that in your budget, there's a team folded just like that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's a lot of different things that you have to be um, aware of and understand. Indoor football, um, like my old owner and um, Tom Wigley in in Colorado, um, he said the slimy underbelly of indoor football because it's it's slimy. It's a lot of different things that go on, and if you don't pay attention, you go under the ground and. They won't even know you were there. Well, especially when you have so many competitive leagues with like mm-hmm. competing with each other and such yeah. things like that. And I, then you get new ones that pop up every now and again and sometimes yeah. last, sometimes don't. Like yeah. it's it's I, sometimes it's hard to, to keep track of when you're <laughs> not like watching it all the time or super invested. Like right. now that and I've gone back and forth just because we have a team, we don't have a team, we have a team, we don't have a team type of thing. So it's hard to be invested when you, you're not watching the games live and stuff right. like that. But the thing that I will say about here, um, Stephen Titus is the owner now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a lawyer. He's a very sharp individual. He knows his stuff. You're not going to pull any wool over his eyes. Um, I think they're on the, the right track um, of what he's laying the foundation because he took the team over with basically one game left in the regular season, and then he went to the playoffs. So he was only there for two games. Okay, yeah, um, I was didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, wasn't there some kind of, for a lesser term, fuckery going on there, it, like in the beginning? Yeah, that I, I, I can't speak on because okay, yeah. I don't really know what I don't happened. I just know that it was a transfer from one owner to another owner. And with this owner being here... Um, and the people that, you know, I, we know a lot of mutual people because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people in this city and, you know, they speak pretty highly of him, um, that he knows what he's talking about and he's he's in it for the right reason. You know, he wants to bring entertainment 
to Billings. He wants to get it back to what it was and what it should be here. Um, that piece right there is, you know, he is instilled inside of him that he can bring that back here. And um, I think he's the right guy for the job. I mean, he he's he's putting the sponsorships there. He's putting his own money up. You yeah. know, that's the thing that that's when you really can tell if somebody's really in it for the the, the, the long haul. He's putting his own money up. He's, you know, he's changed the uniforms. He's changed the footballs. He's he's doing all these different things to show the people of Billings, yes, we have a good product because they went off. We beat them in a champ. I mean, in a, basically the, the semifinals, and it was a tough game. He has a good football team. He's got good coaches. So, Well, that gives me some confidence at least because, I mean, as you know, it's – Man, after we lost them the first that lost you guys the first time around, I I lost all confidence in ever having a a indoor football team that was going to at least stick around because right. then we had the Wolves for a little while and I never had any confidence in that and sure enough it fell under and yeah. then bringing back the Outlaws although you're not really bringing back the Outlaws you're kind of just rebranding and exactly. doing the same thing but also I will say I was the first one to say they should just call them the outlaws because you already had people showing up to these wolves games in outlaws gear. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, this is what everyone remembers. Like you might as well just bring it. And they all, they had all this merch still that must've just been hiding out in mm-hmm. a warehouse somewhere. <laughs> I'm like, why dust. wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? It's a, it's a great name. It's a great logo. I love the, like every, I love everything about it. Oh yeah. And it was, it reminds you of fun times. I it mean, does. those years, because uh, my first year was the uh, the year previous, they were called the Billings Mavericks mm-hmm. when I was in Casper, and they went back to the outlaw name my first year here in 06, and they stuck with it through 2010. And th- if you look at that, that was three national championships within those five years. So people remember those teams, and that's what you need to piggyback on. So that's the one thing I can say about the ownership that did bring it back. They They brought back the name as well. So people can be familiar with it. Um, now Steve has gotten a, a pretty decent start because it's only two games in, um, but he has a good heart. I know he want. I know what he wants for the city of Billings, and I, I think he can he can bring it home and bring it back to respectability that people will say, "Hey, you go there. It's going to be a good football team, good game. Um, it's going to be professionally ran." Um, the merchandise is going to be there. I mean, you can see all the different things that they're doing around town. So he's he's putting his money where his mouth is, and that's something that's a, a, a good indicator that it's going in the right direction. Well, that does give me a lot of confidence, and and I I do agree. I've noticed that too because I've the first time, well, last year I suppose in the beginning, nobody would have ever known it was even here. Like I didn't see any advertising, anything like that. Like nobody was talking about it. Like yeah. I knew it because I was just plugged in. Right, but if you were just a random person, you would have never known. Yeah, I seen it. Um, I, I knew it because we were. In, I'm in the same league, but the only presence I seen previous to Steve Titus bring because I wasn't here in the beginning, beginning. But um, the fair, they oh, had yeah. a, a booth there and everything, and I seen some of the people there working and everything, and that was a little a little bit of exposure. But I didn't see much to piggyback off of that to carry them into the season. So um, now with you know, Steve being here and he sees, he he's understanding what's going on. You can definitely see he's got a pulse of the city. Um, like I said, he's a lawyer, so he's a smart man. He's not no dummy by any means. Not to say that the other guy was or whatever, but. Eh, maybe. I'll, I'll I, go ahead and say I, it. I, I will say <laughs> you don't got to say it, I'll say it. <laughs> I think he's, he's in it for the right reason. 
And um, I think you're going to see the fruits of his labor. He's worked his butt off to get it to this point. Right on. Well, hey, I am more than happy to hear that because just to just to go back real quick, the old days talking about like <laughs> talking about remembering, like you said, people remember and it's good memories. Those are some of the best memories I've I have in my life. You know, I'm I'm about to turn thirty, and those those still are some of the best memories I've had. Like you, we're talking what twelve, thirteen years? Or, yeah, thirteen years ago, twelve, thirteen years. Because mm-hmm. I was around for that first national championship. A little bit. I mean, I would have been in sixth grade if it was 2006, right? Or two, <laughs> yep, 2006. Yeah. See, I would have been like sixth grade, so I was just kind of getting in there. Mm-hmm. The 2009, 2010, and even 2008, you know, I was along for the ride that whole time. I, I'll i show you later. I got a jersey with my name on it. I've got several signed balls still. Right. Because I was in high school when, when all that was going down. So. Gotcha. And I've always been a football fan. I've, I've, I've never played, but I've always just been a fan. Mm-hmm. And there was a point in my life. Where obviously I'm a big Broncos fan. Oh yeah, I see. There was a time I considered myself a bigger Outlaws fan than a Broncos fan. Wow. Because being there, you know, experiencing those games live, of course, and it's your hometown. You've mm-hmm. you got the hometown pride. It just it was everything for me at that time, and I, I got to go out on the field many times, like Tim Brown. Oh yeah. Yeah, me and Tim Brown were pretty pretty cool together, and. He pulled me down there for my birthday one year. I got to run out on both championship games. There you go. Onto the field. Yeah. And, like, that just, I don't know. I guess it seems weird thinking about high school and, and being so giddy about something like that. But mm-hmm. it really is. It, like, it, it was a huge sticking point in my life, just like a big memory. I remember running into, into those guys just at the store and them just being like, hey, there's. It's you, you know. I mean, right. I didn't expect them to remember my name. At the, you know what I mean? I'm just some guy. I'm I'm a fan, but they remembered right. me exactly. But I mean, that's what that's here for. It's yes, it is a very small city, but it you can have big dreams. Understanding like the impact of what that football team did for you as a kid. Imagine all the thousands of others that actually felt that same way. Yeah, and put it in that that esteem, you know. So. I'm glad to hear that type stuff because, I mean, that's what you're in it for, you know. Yes, we're here to entertain, but we're also here to be, you know, role models. And, you know, some of those guys did go on. Tim Brown went on to the CFL mm-hmm. and won a great cup. And um, I think it was special teams player of the year as a returner. And, you know, to be a part of that, that run with him, uh, playing those five, six years up there in the CFL, he started right here with the Billings Outlaws. Yeah, and and to your credit, Built a great team. You and the owners, you know, everybody involved. But that, not only a great team, but retained a lot of those players for both those championship games. Well, and a lot of that has to do, like you just said, ownership. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have great ownership to understand that you got some some great players here and you're trying to keep that core together, um, sometimes you would be at different situations where um, the ownership they don't realize what they have. They think that this is going to be like this every year. And you run across certain players that are special and not just special on the field, but off the field and how they galvanize other men. And as a coach, you see that those are the players you really want to retain. Um, But you, you don't retain them by just offering them the most money. It's how you treat them. And if we didn't have great ownership group, you know, here in Billings, those guys wouldn't have came back. And when you got a, you know, a leader like Chris Dixon, um, Baysmore, you know, Bays is still here. I seen him um, probably about three weeks ago. Well, he's yeah. the athletic 
uh, at MSUB here. Yeah. Yes. Which is awesome. Yeah. So I'm seeing him, you know, doing his thing. Chris Turner still up here. Um, I see doing Man- his thing. Mania Smith. He's yep. he comes into Toyota. I think he 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 gets his service done at Toyota. Yeah, he's still here. Nolan is at Lithia Dodge. I bought three yep. cars from Nolan, so they're still here. Um, I'm Fontes Jefferson is still here. I seen him at um the hamburger place out here right off Grand. So it's good to see that these guys actually not just came out here to play football, but they 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 started their families here. Mm-hmm. Um, got married, have kids, and things of that nature that are here. Um, Jaquan Brackenridge, he's here, you know, all of these different guys that you see. Um, and then you follow him on Facebook. I mean, like James Walton, he just had his kid. I saw that. I, I think actually... it was yesterday or today or something. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, just things like that where I remember when, um, I had my little Bambino running around with me and they'd look and be like, Oh, maybe one day and, and wow, now they have kids. So it's kind of crazy how that all works out. It's crazy. Cause I, I remember Chris Dixon's kids. Like, mm-hmm. we, you know, you remember how they used to do those, uh, intros. Well, the family days Oh yeah. over at, or it was like a, a fan day, I yep. guess is what it was over at the sportsplex. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I went to all those and saw everybody, hanging out playing games and stuff and i remember chris's kids one of them was in a three-point stance and stuff and i'm pretty sure that kid is uh tearing it up in arizona playing ball yeah at at quarterback position so um one of the top that makes um, me quarterbacks in the nation he's a freshman this year so if it make you feel how do you think it make me (laughs) i mean yeah well fair enough fair enough But yeah, so it's just it's crazy when you like you said that people start in their roots here, and it does kind of speak a little bit to the to the state and the city, mm-hmm. you know. Like you you stayed here, and a lot of a lot of the guys I, I see them around town and stuff. I'll go up to them and be like, "You were an outlaw, weren't you?" Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Yes, I was. There I was there. Yeah. I remember it all." Like, um, God, yeah, good times, man. Um, I want to so so we've kind of touched on a little bit here and there of of your. This thing. <laughs> Hang on. It's going to make a noise. There we go. Am I back? Okay. God, I just barely touched this thing and it goes out, I swear. That's the one thing. I, okay, it's good. Everything's good. We touched on a few uh, of, of the things you've, you know, throughout your career, your, your, <laughs> the stepping points. Let's start from the beginning and kind of run down the timeline. So okay. let's go all the way back to youth. When football first got introduced to you, did, were you... Did you come from a football household, or was it something that you kind of fell into? It was more, yes, my dad is the one that put the football in the crib, the okay. baseball in the crib. Um, my father played in the Negro Leagues, um, baseball. Um, he played um, second base, um, and then he also played in center field or whatever. So baseball is what he really wanted me to do. Um, so I started off with baseball. Um, I had to be, what, third grade? where my glove was big as my body, mm-hmm. so to say. So I did that for two or three years. And then I think when I went to sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade is when I started football. And my mom did not want me to play because, yes, I'm a bigger guy now, but um, put it this way, as a freshman in high school, I was five foot and I was like 90 pounds. So playing against those big old boys when I was playing grammar school ball. Um, it was different, but I was good. And we won, you know, our little area championship. And we went up and played on the um, north side of Chicago for the, like, the city championship. We won that. 
like three years in a row. Then they kicked us out of that league. We went to Kankakee, which is, um, I think it's south of Chicago, about 50 miles outside of Chicago. We went down there, started dominating that league. And then um, I went to Chicago Mount Carmel. And that's where I say um, that changed my life. Uh, my parents made major sacrifices for me to go to that school because it was not cheap. A Catholic school in the city of Chicago, it was very, very expensive. Um, and they took a lot of, you know, ills to, and things they wanted to do to make sure I got that opportunity to go there. Um, but there I learned because I'm not trying to be racist or anything, but I stayed in a, it was all black people where I lived at going to Mount Carmel is 75% white. So it was the first time I've ever been around white people and things of that nature. And it was just different. The because, cultural shock. Yeah. And then just how they, they think and how they talk and their aspirations. And it gave me it like, it made me a better person. Cause in just instead of seeing the guys on the street and Hey, what's up? This is what your life is going to be. That's where I got the goal of, well, all of my friends in high school, they going to college. Maybe I can go to college. My parents never went. I mean, they, they did a little college here and there, but never had real aspirations right out of high school to go to college. Neither one of my parents did that. They did it later on in life. So to have that, it changed my life. I'm not going to sit and lie to you. It changed my life on, you know, who I am as a person is who you make you, you what you make of it. And I got the same as um, the same chance that these kids got. We're in the same school. Why can't I do the same thing? And so from there, um, I went on to um, we won. Was it three state championships in my four years that I was in um, Mount Carmel? Um, my high school quarterback, the, the most famous one, Mike McGrew, went on to play at Northwestern. He was he won. I think he he won four straight state titles in a row. Cause he was a year, he was two years older than me. <clears throat> and then, um, the quarterback, my senior year was, um, Donovan McNabb oh, from the Philadelphia whoa. Eagles. Um, my junior year, I played with, um, Simeon Rice who played with the, um, Arizona Cardinals and the Tampa Bay. He won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. Um, I also, um, I beat Antoine Walker. Antoine Walker went to my high school. He was a year under me. He was Donovan's age. But we had a three-point contest for who's the best three-point shooter in the, in the school, and I beat him. Oh, so wow. <laughs> that's my little claim to fame that I beat some pretty good dudes. But in basketball, um, Donovan, Don, he, I had a basketball hoop in my backyard. He used to come over there and just dominate. He was a, a freakish athlete, um, 40-something vertical leap, um, and he was bigger. You know, he was probably about 210 in high school. You know, six foot three, so he was put together. Yeah, this dude was a, a freak of freak of nature. But I played with all of these guys, and um, when the, the scholarship started getting drilled out or whatever, because they, they um, Twan and them were a year under me. But to see Simeon Rice and um, Matt Cushion and Toriano Woods, all these guys went to high school with me to get a scholarship to University of Illinois. And um, Joe Glass, he went to I think Southwest Missouri State. Um, I went to Western Michigan. We had a bunch of guys that went all over the place. and um, But if I never went to Mark Herman, I don't think I would have strived to get a scholarship. I don't think I would have even I've been a, a regular Joe. I probably would have played football somewhere, but not thought much about it after high school. So It definitely helps when you're surrounded by oh, yeah. guys like that who are pushing each other and you know competition and whatnot. And I'm sure that it had, must have had a pretty good faculty 
aspect of it too. If, right, and if you're getting guys that's, recruited. Yeah, see, that's the thing. They, they that's the piece that I'm the most proud of is because, like my father said, if you're good, they'll find you. But I'm I'm just saying, just as a freshman, I was like I said, I was five foot ninety pounds. I, I didn't think you know college football. I was just loving being around people that were positive, that mm-hmm. were doing positive things with their life. So that was more important to me than the actual football because those are the things I instill in my kids now. Um, my son, he's he'll be – next year will be his last year. He's at New Hampshire um, playing football up there. So my daughter, she's a cheerleader. We're getting ready to go to um, Arizona here um, in a week or so to go out there with her for her competitive cheer. So – it's in their blood, but just to tell them it's a different way than just being on them streets is the thing that I learned at Mount Carmel, and it, it changed my life right there. Um, but from there, um, I did get the scholarship to go to Western Michigan. My true freshman year, I was redshirted. That's what he believed in. He believed in that. Um, you probably don't remember, but Joe Paterno. Oh, at, yeah. Yeah, at, at um, Penn State. Mm-hmm. He just believed that every freshman should be redshirted, so, which was a good thing for me. As I tell the story, you understand um, so like I said, I was only, I grew a foot in one year Dang! in high school. I, and I grew two inches in college. So I went from five foot to six foot basically in a, a one year span. And that's why my knees, you know, Oscar slaughter where your, your bones and ligaments grow one grow slower and you got just pain, just major pain for sure. But I had the athleticism of a, a smaller guy, but I hit that growth spurt right between my um, sophomore and junior year, junior year, and then that's when I was introduced to weights. Like that's when we started lifting weights, and the weight started to come on. But I still was small as a freshman in college. I was only a hundred and I think seventy pounds or something like that, one hundred sixty-five pounds, um, and I was six foot. But then during that year, I grew two inches and then i got up to about 185 190 pounds in my redshirt year and when i came back i still had four years of eligibility and you know god like it was like paving ways for me but i started off basically as the nickel um the first two three games the the what was it the left corner went down marcus he went down for at least five six games so i was starting at the left corner spot um, and then Tristan Moss, who was the other corner, he got banged up a little bit where I went over there and played. So I got lucky my freshman year to start all those games because of injury and got in got there and got the experience. In. Yeah. But then from there, I started the rest of my career um, at Western Michigan. And um, I was honorable mention my senior year. Um, I led the the MAC conference in past breakups. Um, I did go to the NFL combine, the real one, not the mess that they be talking about now where <laughs> everybody has a combine, but I'm talking about the one that's in Indianapolis, the real one. Um, that was the first time I seen, um, what's his name? Uh, Ray Rhodes. Um, he was the, I think the D coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I've never had a, a coach because you go through, when you go through the combine, you don't just work out. You have interviews with the different teams. And I just remember him, how he was talking. It was like, this dude is crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. What is going on? Like, he, hey, what's your, I'm like, calm down. Yeah, yeah. Man. Like, you just asked what cover two is. Two shell, you explain it. And he just, it was just weird of how intense he was. And then um, to look and see, 
um, what's his name, Mike Dicka, as oh, we're wow. warming up doing our thing, all the coaches are on this side of the, they're in the stands, but they're on this side. Dicka, and that's when he was with the Saints, was on the other side. By himself, he wasn't paying no attention to what they were doing far as 40-yard dash, 20-yard shuttle, and all that. When he got up and started paying attention, when we were doing the drills, that's what he paid attention to. And it it stuck with me for whatever reason because it was just he was the only team over there. All the I think it was only 28 teams at that point were on the other side. And I just like, what the heck? And you know, I'm a Chicago Bear fan. I grew up in Chicago and he was the Bears coach. And yeah. um I just remember a lot of things he would say in interviews and things. Everybody looked good in um t shirts and shorts, but that don't matter. It matter when you got that helmet and shoulder pads on. That's when I'm evaluating. And then it all tied in and made sense of why he didn't really care for the combine. Look at that film. And that kind of is how I am now. I don't care how fast you ran a 40 and all that. The only time that's important is when I'm trying to sell the player to the upper leagues. I don't care anything about that because some of my best players didn't run a 4-3-40. Right. Chris Dixon didn't run a 4-3-40. Best indoor football player of all time. Yeah. He didn't run a 4-3, but... You put that film on, nobody ever called him. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, well, and I mean, like you said before, too, it's it's sometimes what's between the ears and between the shoulder pads, exactly. you know? Exactly. And that's what it, that's where it came from, though. That's when I saw that, that it, it kind of struck me. Um, but, but also, Ditka was kind of just watching Ricky Williams. Yeah, because his whole draft was the only on that one. one guy. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't care about anybody else. So, yeah, it was just different to see that piece, that aspect, and then to go through the draft process and all the agents that come at you and, oh, and I bet promise it's you the world. And and I just, no offense to the guys that I did did or didn't choose, but now where my son is potentially getting ready to go through that next year, um, I have a little bit more experience of what to tell them. Some of the potential pitfalls that I, I took – um, you know, don't just look at the name. Look what the guy can do for you. And not just you, people like you. Meaning, are you going to be a high draft pick? Then, yes. The guy that I went with, um, Steve um, Zucker, that was my first agent. He had Richmond Webb, Carl Pickens. Um, I think he had Deion Sanders for a while. <clears throat> I'm looking at that. And instead of looking at, it was a guy by the name of um, Steve Weinberg. Um, I remember when he came up, he flew up from Texas. Um, he came to the house and he had all these, he had a suitcase, but he had all these pieces of paper and stuff all over the floor. And he just going this, he doing this, he doing this. And that turned my, my family off because everybody else was on when that was when computers first kind of came out. So it was spreadsheet here. Look at this pie chart. And that impressed my parents. <clears throat> it impressed me. But in hindsight, that guy that had all the papers all over the floor and doing it, he had 25 players that were that he had represented in his time that played in the NFL that were undrafted free agents or sixth or seventh round draft picks. Hmm. That's the guy I should have went with right there. No offense to Steve Zucker, love him. He did a great job for me, but I think that guy could have did better because he was used to dealing with where I'm going to be in a draft. Right. And that's what a lot of kids, they, they don't look at, you know, um, they look at who they rep instead of, are you one of those? Are you a first or second round pick? I wasn't. 
Mm-hmm. So it really wasn't a good fit. And I, I moved on to a couple of different agents, three, four different agents. But um, in my pro career, NFL career, um, you know, the time with Jacksonville was lovely. I'm so not, is that who you got drafted by? Well, no, undrafted free agent. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So but I that's to, who you went to? Yeah. I went down there. Um, and the thing that's kind of funny is Tom Coughlin um, was the head coach there. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a linebacker coach. I cannot think of his name. But when I was coming out of high school, he came to visit me, to recruit me to Boston College to play receiver. But I was DB, so I didn't want to hear what he was talking about. That same guy was on his staff. Oh, wow. At Jacksonville. So, and when we did our, um, what was it, like our spring private workout or whatever, before your senior season, um, Tim Mingi is the scout's name. I don't know if he's still doing it or not. But I ran a 4-3-4 for him. And I did a 40-inch vertical. So I knew Jacksonville was definitely in the hunt um, to pick me up. So when the draft started and everything, I'm all excited. They had people there and all of this other stuff. In the second round, um, after they drafted Donovan Darius in the first round, as well as um, Freddie T, Fred Taylor, mm. um, they both were, they had two first-round picks. Second round, they drafted um, Cordell Taylor, which was a corner from Hampton, and I get a call from Perry Fuel. Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm like, oh man, I'm sitting here. I, Hello, yeah, okay, okay, all right. We're not gonna pick another DB until we pick you. And I, that's all he said. And he hung up the phone, and I'm like, I thought that was my call, but hey, they thinking of me. And then, and then, but you, then you're on the the leash a little bit. And then I'm looking like, okay, I'm not getting picked. Third round, fourth round. I was like, well. Fifth round, sixth round, seventh round. That's, that's where you're projected, round. right? Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, I'm I'm more ready for that, but it didn't happen. Um, but after the draft, I had a call from Jacksonville was first, obviously. They they called first and they offered the most um money. So that's why I went with them. But I did get offered before I signed the contract. Um, it was the Jets, because Bill Parcells actually um he was at our a couple of our practices oh, wow. in the summer. So I saw him out there. Um, who's this other one? Was um Arizona Cardinals. So those were the three teams that gave me an offer after I'm talking about when they say Mr. Irrelevant, the phone started going crazy yeah. and call waiting and I'm like Well, and I'm what's sure going on? <laughs> in the case where Jacksonville called you, they probably were watching the board and they were like, you know what, I bet you we can just get this guy after mm-hmm. or and don't but, have to pay him that type money. Well and then in that case, you are kind. They're kind of taking a chance because obviously, if they draft you, they definitely got you. Mm-hmm. If it's undrafted, then you have all. It's the options are kind of on yours, right? If you're getting multiple calls, that is, but exactly. But they already knew that you had. They, kind of they mutual- hooked me because I mean, like I said, with that private workout and I ran that that four three four forty inch vertical. I'm they sure they were there to see that, and I was like, no other team came to that. Right. So I kind of knew, and then they were at. Because I dislocated my um, right shoulder my senior year, and I missed, I think, a game or so. And they came the one week when I was in a sling, and oh. they was like, hey, um, what's I up with noticed that? you didn't play last week. Oh, it's just, you know, I'll be good, this, this, and this. Wasn't expecting to see you in the sling. I was like, I could take this off. I was like, that's just precautionary. So you playing this week? I was like, absolutely. I was like, just stay for practice. You'll see what's going on. So I couldn't practice or anything, but when it was time to run them wind sprints and all that stuff and the conditioning, I'm out there with a sling, still outrunning everybody out there. 
And I think that showed him something like, you know what? This dude can't really, he hasn't played in a week or so, but he's still out here with his team. He's still working hard and he's out working all these dudes that got two arms. I had one arm and I'm out there running around. Right. So I kind of knew, my agent knew that that was going to be the team. And it was just exciting, but it was it was also the first bout of depression I've had. Oh, because I was expected to get drafted, and that's that in and itself is just an accomplishment. Yes, I'm sure. especially when you're like on the line, you're like you you feel it coming, and mm. then it doesn't it doesn't happen. And I went to before, like I just ran to my room. I remember I ran upstairs, I ran in my room, and I put the pillow over my head. And all you could hear is the phone ringing, the phone ringing. But my mom is answering the phone, and she's like, get down there. You didn't get down there. And she's screaming. And I'm like, get this. who is this? Hello? Hey, this is blah, blah, blah from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Just saying if you got the contract we just faxed you, and we need to get that back as soon as possible because other teams are going to start calling. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. And my agent was like, yes, you want this deal right here, blah, 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 blah. Then the other team called. They throw they offer. Another team called. They throw they offer. Before I was even – out the door and i'm like wow so i went from about to shed a tear like i'm depressed i was depressed for like probably just 20 seconds because when you get that call you finna go to the nfl you don't worry oh, about nothing matter else. About, i was like yeah. i'm cool and um i sent the contract in um they sent the um basically the itinerary of what your summer is going your spring and summer going to look like um here's your flight to jacksonville because you got to go to rookie minicamp and nothing's guaranteed. What year was this? Ninety was it ninety eight? Okay, so this so it was is... the year after the Denver Bronco deal where they beat the Denver Broncos, and it was a year after. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a year With after Brian Greasy. Yeah, yeah. So, so and this would have been number one seed or something. And we, ca- I came the year after that. Okay, and that's Jacksonville's like what second year? Second year in existence. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the year that I came in, and um, but. They give you all these crazy workouts that you had to do and understand these different drills that I've never seen before. And so I'm training, doing all this stuff. And I was like, well, I still got, you know, a semester of school left, you know, so I'm doing my schooling and everything. And I finish up my schooling and then I'm like, well, all I had was left was an intern. And I was like, I ain't worried about no intern. I'm going to get down here. I went down there to mini camp. I bought, I did well. Um, then you kind of sit in the locker room. And you kind of pray that okay, did I make it to training camp? Or because there's no guarantee. Not draft picks. Yes, it's a guarantee. They're gonna go to rookie minicamp. Then they'll go to training camp. As an undrafted free agent, you don't even have a real locker. Like in Jacksonville, the lockers it's like a big old U. Mm. The 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 real players, so to say, or the draft picks or the. The Brunels of the world. The, the ones Sellies, that are guaranteed to play. They're in that U. Then it's an island, and it's about 25 lockers there, and I'm in one of those. Mm-hmm. And you can see each day after rookie minicamp, you see the little thing hanging out their locker. Well, that dude got cut. You don't see him no more. Mm-hmm. This guy get cut. So I made it all the way through that last day, and I'm just sitting here like, oh, please, God. I, I got to make it at least to training camp, man. Made it through training camp. Did my thing there. To the point that they at least remembered me. But I did get cut. Once I got cut, um, they brought me back, but they brought me back practice squad. Mm-hmm. So I stayed pretty much the, the year on practice squad down there and seen a lot of cool things and understood a lot of football. But um, the D coordinator, Dick Jerron, took a liking to me because I was always not a, 
I hate to cuss, but kiss ass. It was just more so, I want to know what you're thinking. Why are you calling these plays? Like, and he's like the, him and Dick LeBeau were the, the, the key of the fire zones. That was a new fad in the NFL. So I was infatuated because we ran a little bit of that in college, but this dude was phenomenal with this. So learned that playbook backwards and forward, but I, I kind of was asking him different things with stay after and this and that. Didn't think nothing of it. They send me to NFL Europe to the Berlin um, Thunder. That was cool. It was all right. Come back. Jacksonville cuts me again. And I'm like, what? Especially after, yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, whatever. I go back to Chicago, sitting around thinking, somebody's going to pick me up. Mm-mm. Nobody was calling. Nothing was popping. I'm, I'm doing more calling to my agent. What's going on? My father see that the Bears had just hired a new coach. And his name is Dick Jerron, same guy. So long story short, oh. when we played my last, I think it was the last or the second to last preseason game, I introduced my father to Dick Jerron, called him out the crowd. We getting on the bus to go to the airport. And I call him down and I introduce him because he's a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So I introduce him, Leon Searcy, um, Baselli, you know, um, Dion Figures, Dave Thomas, all the dudes that I like I hung out with. But I also introduced him to Dick Jerron. And my father saw this. He didn't tell me nothing. He went to this event, this charity event or whatever it was. He talks to Dick Jerron. He comes back and he was like, hey, you got to work out next week. You better be ready. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He sets you up a workout. He got it all set up. My agent didn't do that. My daddy did that. Right. So I did the workout. Um, I think I ran, what was it? Four, 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 eight, four, five flat, which nothing impressive as far as DB, but it was all right. I mean, it's pretty good still. Yeah, but it wasn't a four, three, four, four, three, four or whatever, but it was still good enough that they said, we'll bring you in. So they brought me into um, training camp and off-season training. So I'm doing all this, and um, to them, it was a new system, new defense. So I already knew the defense because it was the same defense I had the year before. So I'm helping some of the vet guys. And then Chris Hudson came over as well, who was a Thorpe Award winner, University of Colorado. But he was a starting free safety for um, Jacksonville for five years. So we're helping these other guys learn the thing, but basically – didn't realize at the point I'm helping these dudes take money off my table because at the end of that I got cut too. Ah oh, shit. So, um, but I did get a you know a pick in a game. It was against um, Joe Germain um, that played at um, Ohio State. He was with the Rams. I did get a pick, but I did get cut. But I was like, hey, at least I got an NFL pick. And so this is past preseason. You, no, this is preseason oh, when okay. that happened, and okay. then I got released from there. Um, then I played. What was it two years with the Milwaukee Mustangs Arena One football? Okay. Um, then I went and played a year or two of A two. I played in um, the Mohican Wolves, that's in New London, Connecticut. And then we played. Um, my last year was with the Green Bay Blizzard. Okay. That's where I tore this shoulder up and it ended my career. Um, I had to have three separate shoulder surgeries on this and got like eight screws, two two plates in there. So. So, that was the end of my football. Okay, so what year was that? When, when... 2003 was okay. the end of it for me. And I went back to, um, I was dealing with a girl at this time that she wanted to go to Michigan State, but I met her in Green Bay. So I was like, well, shoot, I got an intern I got to do. She Michigan State and um, Lansing, Michigan and Kalamazoo was about an hour 
apart, I'll drive down there, get my paperwork started, and I'll do my intern. So I at least got my degree. So I did that. I got my degree. And the agent that I had at the time, he was a um he was trying to get me to be an NFL scout. Okay. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, I I don't know. You know, I didn't I really didn't have strong feeling, but I didn't have negative feelings because it was not like somebody was knocking my door down because all I knew was football. Um, so long story short, um, that was in December, January comes around. My agent was like, Hey, I got a perfect opportunity for you. Defensive coordinator, recruiting coordinator for the, um, Wyoming, um, Calvary. I was like, what coaching? What? So that never even crossed your mind. Never. And I was like, well, even though you had already been coaching up those guys, but, it, on the, but that's where it started. It. It, that's it clicked once I got down there. Because um, I asked him, I was like, well, what city is I? He was like, Casper. I was like, man, do you know I'm a black man? What are you <laughs> living in Casper? What are you talking about? But once I went down there and I started coaching these kids up, it it made me feel like when I was with the Bears and teaching, like Jerry Azuma, that's my dude right there. He went on, he played at University of New Hampshire as well as a running back, but he went to the Bears in the fifth round that same year that I was there and he became a starting corner. But just, you know, going, bouncing different, um, the, the the plays off of him and things of that nature. And that's what it made me feel like when I was in Wyoming coaching. I'm like, man, so all this was this God put me in these different things. It wasn't to be an NFL football player. It was to be a coach. He was grooming me the whole time. I just didn't understand it at the time of when I was going through it. But now, 18 years into being a coach. I see now why he put me in those situations and he put me across some pretty good dudes. I mean, Tom Coughlin, he went on to two Super Bowls. Dick Jerron, I mean, a legendary, you know, defensive coordinator in the NFL and Perry Fuel. He went on to be a head coach in the NFL. And, um, you know, just being around those different people helped me groom myself without me even knowing it. Mm -hmm. That's how magical God is and how powerful he is. He already know what you're going to be and how it's all going to turn out. He's just molding you, and you don't even know it. So, Well, yeah, and that's crazy because obviously at that time, you have these aspirations of being a football pl- a player. Mm-hmm. And little did you know, that all these steps were being made to build you as a coach, which you end up being extremely successful at. Exactly, and didn't even know I was going to be a coach. I mean, I had no aspirations Never to be a coach. Never crossed your mind at all, you know, and... That and was then not what I was just, trying to be. Well, right, but it turns <laughs> you out know. you're really, really good at it. Yeah, because that's why, like I always tell people, because um, I know you said at the end of the show, you, you say something, um, a saying or something that you, you kind of live by. And my thing is, um, take each opportunity and give it 100, because you never know where it's going to derive to. I took a leap of faith. Something different, because I was just hanging, basically hanging out in Chicago and back in Lansing with my girl, just bouncing back and forth, really wasn't motivated to do anything. And when he called with that opportunity, I took that opportunity and I gave it everything I had. I was like, I coached like, if I don't do well this year, I'm not going to eat, which is the truth as a coach. But that's how I think even as a player, that's I think that way. And I gave it everything I had. Um, Dan Austin, and um, Wally Jovetich and Mike Parnell, those are the three owners, and Adam Stedman. They remember me when I was at Casper. 
that's how I got the job in Billings. Okay. Because I was cleaning the locker room up and picking towels up and stuff like this here. And they, hey, we need this. We need this. And I would hook them up and do all this stuff. And they was like, we just like the way you worked. Like, the game was over. You cleaning locker rooms up. I was picking jocks and stuff up. I don't think anything is beneath me. You mm-hmm. know, if the coach asks me to do it, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm not going to volunteer to pick up jocks. But I mean, if you tell me this is what you need me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Right. And I did that. And that's how I got the job here in Billings is because of, well, we did beat Billings for the first time. We swept them in Casper. That was the first time that that's ever happened. And we did it um, in a fashion where we had um, a couple pick sixes for touchdowns. So the defense did really well. And that's how I got the job here. So, I mean, you never know what that opportunity is going to turn into. So don't ever half-ass it. Give it everything you got. And gotta take care of the rest. Well, yeah, and you never know who's watching. You know, exactly. Like, like in that situation, you know, you're on the opposing team, mm-hmm. and you're outperforming, and they're looking at that like, oh, that's this, a good quality. Yeah, to have. and I wasn't even. I'm just thinking I'm doing my job, right? You know, because well, but I've also seen... when you do your job at a high level, that definitely helps too. Oh yeah, but you can't do your job at a high level if you don't put maximum all of it effort, off. right? Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, that's just something that you know I live by, um, and every step I took I, I I love challenges I love playing chess I, you know puzzle I, that's a type I love that type stuff so Casper I think were four and ten the year before I got there I think we turned it around to we were I think we had I think we were like the number three seed which was amazing turnaround then I go to Billings the year before they were what were they I think like one in 14 they were t- yeah. the Mavericks they were t- Terrible. And so bad they changed the name and yeah. rebranded. <laughs> yes. Well, what's funny is they were the Outlaws before that, even yeah. too. So it's changed. It's gone Outlaws, Mavericks, Outlaws, Wolves, Wolves Outlaws. Outlaws. Yep. So I mean, it was just crazy. So I took the job in Billings, another reclamation. I, I know what I can do if I have the correct tools. Turn Billings around. We went. We won the championship the very next year, mm-hmm. and then leave here. We go to Colorado. I think they were six and eight that year. When I get there, we went on a run. We were like eight and zero starting off that next season with me on the staff. I was just a D coordinator then. Mm. Um, but then I'm getting ready to leave to go to another team, and I got offered something I couldn't refuse. Tom Wigley was like, "No, I'm not letting you go." and I'm going to make you the head coach. And again, there's another opportunity that I did maximum. I, I, I gave maximum effort and they saw it. And I, w- I nobody's ever given me anything. I was warranted those different opportunities I got. So I did that. Went on and had a pretty good, I was coach of the year in 2014 and, you know, turned that whole program around. Um, then I left there because the owner had um, cancer. Oh, so okay. he shut the team down and everything. And that's when we moved back here. And um, I went to Dodge City because I was like, well. And where is that at? In Kansas, Kansas Dodge okay. City. Yeah. Um, went there for a year just as a D coordinator again, a recruiting coordinator. And we turned that whole thing around. So from there, Salina called and, hey, we want you to be our head coach. What do you think? And I'm looking like, eh, it's not like anything else happened. I might as well give it a shot. And look what happened with that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very humble. I'm very thankful, you know, and I'm very blessed. God has really blessed me and he's shown me different avenues that I didn't even think I was even possible that I'll ever see, let alone get accomplished. So 
I give a lot of thanks to him. Um, my parents, I give a lot of thanks to them as well. So, um, my wife for putting up with everything, you know, being gone, doing this in and out, we're in a family meal and I'm on the phone recruiting and all of that type stuff. I mean, I, I have a lot of people to thank to be, you know, a successful coach. For sure. Well, and it helps when you have like a, a stable group around you and people who are supportive, people who are, you know, when you got that strong support group there. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you couldn't everything. do it without it. You couldn't. I mean, because with my daughter and her being here and I'm there, like, it wouldn't work the same if it was any other way. So just by her understanding, like, it's a good paying job. I love what I do. She has a job. She loves what she does. So now we understand, like, it's passion that we put into this that if we work together, we can make this thing work. And it's worked out pretty good. For sure. So moving forward, what's the future hold? Obviously, you have a pretty good extension with the with the, um, the Liberty. liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see yourself, con- how long do you think you keep doing it? Well, I want to go at least another 15 is what I want to go. Um, I mean, you have the resume to do it, man. Yeah, and also, got to keep winning. That's the key. <laughs> haven't even mentioned this. IFL Hall of Famer. Yeah. And yeah. congratulations on that. That Thank was just you. a couple years ago, right? Yeah, 2021, um, inducted to the Indoor Football League Hall of Fame. Um, one of three coaches to ever get in there. So um, definitely happy about that. And um, I never thought that would happen either, you know. But, you know, God, like I said, God has blessed me to put me on the right path, um, surround me with the right people. And, you know, he gave me a gift. You know, I, I was never say, knew you, you've done your part this. too, you know, like, yeah, I just never knew that was even a gift. You know, I sure. thought my gift was my four, three speed, my 40 inch vertical, my athletic ability. I never thought about just coaching Ackerman and, and making adjustments quickly and how chess helps with that and understanding different things that I do that incorporates all of that stuff to be a successful coach. So like I said, God has, he's molded, he, he's, he basically, he pushed things out the way for me to go through this specific path. And like I said, I took full advantage of it. Every opportunity I ever um, have gotten, I've gave it maximum effort. And most of the time it's worked out. I can't say I'm batting a thousand. I'm not, but I'm batting about 800 yeah, <laughs> on, on the moves good. that I made. Doing so. pretty good. Um, one more question and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you get out of here. Um, I want to ask you some of your, your top favorite moments as a coach. Mm. Now, real quick, before, I'm going to give you mine. Okay. Because not only is this, I mean, obviously you were the coach at the time and you made the call, but it this is by and far the greatest football game I've ever seen, not only in person, not only on TV, but in f- fiction or real life. It is the greatest game I've ever seen in my life. Billings Outlaws versus the Sioux, Sioux Falls. Falls Storm. Regular know. season football game. Mm-hmm. Um, now this has been a while, so as I recall it, we were losing by a couple touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, a few a few things go our way. Michael Levy gets an interception, turn that into a touchdown. I think we got another interception, turn that into a touchdown. Ties the game. You could go for a field goal. Instead, you make the bold call to go for two. Chris Dixon touchdown to Mile or who was it? Willie Austin. W- Willie Austin. Willie Austin. Yep. yep. That's one of mine as well. Um, but it, it was Tough Johnson that actually picked it off. This okay. was before EB. But this EB was did get 08. one before, right? 
Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Because this was in 08. Okay. This was the first time we ever beat Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls Correct. used to drag us. Correct. 07, they drug us. We went down there, they drug us. This was the first time we ever beat them. So Okay, I'm mixing up a couple games there. Yeah, but that moment right there, too, just... It swung the game. Ha- yeah, because if we don't go for two, just think what happened after that. We kick off. It's four seconds left. They line up to kick a 56-yard field goal. And miss it by like a foot. Well, not only that though. I'm like, oh my. On the kickoff, <laughs> they didn't get any return. Mm-hmm. Like the, the kick was in the perfect spot. Basically, stopped them within the five yards. Exactly. So they had to kick a full a field full, and barely missed it. And I'm like, oh, it, it wow. was <laughs> by far the greatest game I've ever seen ever. Oh yeah, it was definitely. I mean, I've never been a part. Of a game like that in my life, and that wasn't even the championship. No, but it was my championship at the moment. Well, you know, like you we said, had won a championship previous in 06, but that was like a championship game because it was like a heavy white heavyweight bout, big punches being thrown, and we were against, against the ropes. And they and they were the juggernaut. Exactly. That one. I mean, they won tons of games. They won championships and. The big bad wolf of, mm-hmm. of the UIF. I mean, they won every championship in that league. You yeah. know, so. To to do that and and everybody's like they always try to figure out what's your secret sauce. How did you know to go? Everything is just a gut feel. I I don't know because if you think of it, I, <laughs> I get goosebumps eight, just thinking about it. Eighteen years I've coached. How many times have I went for two in my career? That's a good trivia question. But I guarantee it's not over seven, right. seven or eight. I don't go for two, but it was something in me that said, you know what. Go for two and make them try to kick this long field goal to win. Because there, like, there was only like five seconds left or yep. something like that. And then we kicked off. He caught it. I think it only took a second. We were down there. And then they kicked that long field goal. And I'm looking. I'm like, oh, it's right on target. Oh. It's on target. Oh, it's short. Oh. <laughs> you, you, I don't think you've heard the metric get louder. Even with concerts. You know, like that. Because at that point, we're, we're all invested. Like we're all. Oh, yes. Like it, the whole city's invested. And, and I think that's what kind of springboard that game springboarded us into the IFL in 2009 to do what we did because I think we're the only team that's ever done this. We swept Sioux Falls in the season. Nobody's ever swept Sioux Falls in the season. We beat them at home and we beat them by double digits at home at their place mm-hmm. and we beat them at our place. So and when we beat them at our place, we beat them by by 25 points. So it's not many teams that can say they did that to Sioux Falls and the Coach Riggs um, coach team because he is, you're talking about the GOAT. He's the GOAT. I mean, he's got, what, almost 10 national championships. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, to go and get that win, no, that was the springboard for us having the confidence to know, yeah, they beat us in the, um, the what was that, the, the, the Western Conference um, semifinal game, the champion, not the championship, but the GOAT to the championship. That same year in 08, but they never beat us again in Billings. That was the game that turned everything around, and I'll well, never then, forget that. And then even essentially capping off that that era of the Outlaws with a championship against the Storm. Granted, that it was last play. I mean, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, they run a uh, a jet sweep. To Lorenzo, who was playing running back, I mean playing on receiver, he dives over the top. He gets caught by Big Jack. Big Jack holds him up. 
but their line comes and gives a surge like they're going to push him into the end zone. And big Chris Turner grabs him and slings him down. Game over. I think we win by eight or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, woo. <laughs> well, and then having to do it at the Sportsplex, too. Like, yes. I'll, I'll give everybody who was involved in that a lot of credit for being able to make that into a venue. Oh, yeah. Our owners were very creative to make that into a game. Like, they had TVs outside. They had the jumpy jack for the, the kids and refreshments. And it was crazy. Uh, quick story on that. So it wasn't the championship game. It was a playoff game leading into the championship game. Tri-City or was it Amarillo? I don't remember exactly. Or Arkansas because that was when we had a bunch of playoff games that year. But uh, my sister used to be a manager at McDonald's. She used to give me a bunch of free uh, uh, coffee drinks, like coupons. Mm -hmm. I drank like three of them before the game. And I'm sitting outside like jittery (laughs) waiting in line because I'm nervous and excited and also i got all this caffeine i'm like i don't know 16 you know <laughs> and so i'm just like jittery but right i mean once you're in once it was in there it was just it worked it worked to to be able to play it there with all the tornado stuff and all that absolutely and i mean you got to give kudos to the the city for coming out and supporting that of course to come in there and because it's not the ideal venue to be in compared to the, the big old metro but the ownership group to have these people come in, do these measurements, because we're seeing people measuring. So, well, what are they doing? Where are we going to play at? Do we got to go to Sioux Falls? What's happening? For them to have that vision to do that, I mean, that's what I'm talking about, ownership. Um, it's, it's not always about um, how much money they pay you. In the play. What do you do when things are against you? What are you going to do to make it better for the, not just me, the team? And they did it. And I know that cost some money to do put all that stuff together, but it was well worth it. Because look what it, it gave memories that's gonna go generation down to generations. Cause I mean, to win a national championship at home, that's that's huge. Like you'll never forget that, you know? Yeah. I know I won't. I don't forget any of them. Well, actually on that note, I do have one more question. Mm-hmm. Seeing as how you did just win your fourth championship. Mm-hmm. What's a night after a championship look like? Oh, wow. <laughs> it was a little different because um, my daughter was still up there, so I couldn't party the way I really wanted to party. Um, but we definitely we went back to the Blind Pig, which is our um, after-game sponsor. And the owners bought uh, what was it three cratefuls of um, champagne. Wow. And I'm unaware of all of that okay that's out it's because it's the inside and then it's the outside patio piece so i take the cup you know the national championship cup and it's huge it's probably about three feet tall or so with a big old cup on the top of it i throw what was it five long islands in there oh, drinks boom, boom 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 so these dudes my players they thinking they finna sip on some beer or whatever because that's what we did for the, the first cup um, a couple years before that um, to get to the championship. So they hit that and just to see their faces when they find out like that's low guy and ice tea. Whoa, coach, what are you trying to do? And then people start spraying the bottles of the um, champagne. So we got our new championship T-shirts oh, no. on. So they spraying and doing all. I'm like, oh, my, like, stop and coaching the players taking their stuff all off they they, they clothes and stuff and i'm sitting there and then our fans are sitting there 
And you can see they wanted to be like involved. So I was like, give me the cup. Give me the cup. Took the cup from the players and we passed it around to each and every fan that was there so they can take pictures. Oh, cool. oh no, I'm not going to give them no leak because that would be a liability. <laughs> yeah, right yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, but we'd let them, you know, have their moment with the cup. They took pictures with the cup and things like that. And, you know, that's something that I'll, because I didn't get a chance to do that here because, for one, that cup, the IFL cup is. Probably about 50 to 60 pounds. Oh, wow. It's huge. It's yeah. like the Stanley Cup because it got all the different ones who won on it. It's huge. It's heavy. That's cool. So I would never want to pass that thing around. But the one in the CIF is smaller. It's real. You get one hand and it's cool. But that was what I remember about that. And then we all went out to some um, some biker bar up there. Um, I can't think. Outlaws. That was the name oh, of the Oh, wow. Bar. It was all Outlaws. Full circle. We went there and we had a good time. And, man. It was it was fun, and then um, that next day, which was Sunday, um, my wife and my daughter got up. Um, they flew back to Billings, but my one of my other owners, he has this big old um, saltwater pool and his heated pool in his backyard, and it's huge. It's big old backyard, so he threw a big old barbecue, and that's where you see a bunch of the pictures on my Facebook or whatever. We were in his backyard and stuff, hanging out, you know, having a good old time. So. I definitely celebrated this one more than any of the other three because sometimes you got to learn a lesson. I, I start feeling myself after winning three in five years. Sure. And to go 12 without winning one, it was a wake-up call. It's a little sweeter. Oh, yeah. And it made you realize, like, this is not something that happens all the time, so you better celebrate it. So I celebrated it all the way until probably September. We finished in June. I, we went, I went to um, – um, took the wife to Cabo for our anniversary. We were celebrating down there. So nice. Uh, I celebrated this one a long time. I mean, because it, not that it means anymore or whatever, it's just that the drought between, and we were so close the two previous years. We lose on the last play of the game, national championship game in 2018 and 2019. Like, Damn. that is crazy. Like, you're right there. Like, we, 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 we oh, we, what are we doing? Especially, like, yeah. And then you come to a third one, and it's like, and it was close. And are we, we going to be the Bills, or are we going to, yeah, you know, actually? We were down, what, 16, 14 oh, wow. points in that game going into halftime. And then so, you come back. Well, we come back where they only score one more time, period. They didn't score at all in the third quarter. Wow. That's what got us back. We got. One turnover on downs. We got two interceptions. That was the third quarter. And we score on every single one to take the lead. So that game right there was, it was was pretty fun to go through it that way and to have it come down, you know, because we, once we went up 10, they had to kick the onside um, kick. We knew when, okay, if you get it, you still got to score. And it's, only like 15 seconds left. You have no timeout, so it was no... So, how can I say it? I knew we were going to win that. It wasn't like when we play in Sioux Falls and that boy up on top right there, and I'm sitting here like, you see him put... I'm like, please don't push him in the end zone. So, yeah. it was a little bit more, like, you more tense or whatever. Um, now, the one in 2009, that one was a... What did we play? St. Louis. That was a barn burner. That was a shootout right there. Okay, so yeah. um, to go against um, Pat Pimmel, he was the head coach of the St. Louis team. That was a shootout. So it went, I remember that when I was fast paced. But the one in 06, when the King came, King Salter, 
Um, he yes. had a, a bad arm and everything that he wasn't going to play. He wasn't going to play. And we didn't know if he was going to play or not until that day. He was like, yeah, I'm going to play. But we didn't know how effective he was going to be. Wasn't that so, one a, a total just... Yeah, we smacked him. I but I mean, say. but it, it's... If we didn't have King Salter, we would not have smacked them. I mean, I'm not going to lie because he didn't play the two previous playoff games and we gave up points, you know, because he was that good, you know, and we played against a running back that played. He was in the NFL for the, um, what was that, New Orleans. Okay. So for the Saints, and this dude was he going into that game, he was averaging like 120, 140-something yards indoor playing um, running back there. So we shut him down. I think he only had – 50-something, and I think he only had one touchdown. But that, I mean, we had a great team there, too. I mean, we had Big Debo, Big Rod Kelly, um, Eugene Phillips. I, he's still here, too. I oh, see really? Eugene Phillips. Um, he has, a like, a roofing company that's here. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that was a, a great football. Joey Longoria, um, he was the um, corner for me. Robert Reed. Yeah, Robert Reed. I mean, Big Artavius was the big right tackle for me. Um, Bonner, he's still he's he's here mm-hmm. too now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Oh um Sanchez, he was the backup quarterback on the team. He's still here now too. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So just I remember each and every one of them. They all have a special spot, but you say which one did I celebrate the most? It was the one that just happened. Right hey. <laughs> I'm not gonna it's lie. Understandable. That's understandable. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? Good luck to you on the next upcoming season. Thank you. Um, I know you already said it, but one more time, your, your positive motivational message. Take every opportunity that you get and give maximum effort because you never know what it'll derive to be. Um, my whole life is that saying because um, my parents, like I said, they gave me the opportunity to go to Mount Carmel. No other kid in my neighborhood besides one went to a Catholic high school. Everybody went to public school. Nothing against public and Catholic or whatever. But it, I'm telling you what it did for me. It changed my life. And I made the most of that opportunity. I got a scholarship to go to college. Made the most of that opportunity. Um, was in the NFL. I made the most of that because of the knowledge that I picked up there. Um, then I get to coaching. I made the most of that because 18 years, I'm still doing it. Still winning championships. A contender pretty much every year. Um, making the most of everything that you get and give maximum effort. I mean, that's something I live by. I love it, man. Yeah, and I and I absolutely stand by that as well. So, thank you so much, Coach, for coming on the show. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And again, good luck on the upcoming year. Thanks. Even again. though you're going to be playing against my. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we played you guys up here. I missed that one, but um, you guys are playing us in Salida this year. So, I mean, hey, maybe I'll have to come watch that. I'll have to travel down or something. Let me know. I mean, it's it's a pretty decent time, man. It's different. Small sure. town, about 45,000 people, but it's definitely different. Something good to experience there, though. All right. Well, I'll be, I'll be watching closely this year. That's what's up. Thanks so, again. Yeah, absolutely. And for everybody out there, thank you so much for watching. And don't forget, life's a garden. Dig it. You've got to keep on going.